It's time now for Money Matters with the Lewis family, Doug, Linda, and Deborah, owners of Lewis Financial Management, a Raleigh-based family-owned financial planning firm providing investment and financial planning advice since 1983. Doug and Deborah are certified financial planners, CFPs, who can answer any of your questions about investments, retirement planning, and estate planning. Why not call Doug, Linda, and Deborah right now at 919-860-9783 with your financial planning questions. That's 919-860-9783. Now, here's Doug, Linda, and Deborah. Investments offered through SFA Inc. Investment advice through Lewis Financial Management. SFA Inc. and Lewis Financial Management are not related entities. And we are the Lewis family, ready to answer your questions tonight. This is Linda Lewis, and thank you for joining us on Money Matters on News Radio 680 WPTF. And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. Hi, Tanya. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. Linda Lewis, Deborah Lewis. How can we help you this evening? Well, hi, Doug. Um, I have a question regarding handling my elderly mother's taxes this year. I have power of attorney for her. And um, we... Out of her monies, I manage her checkbook and write checks for her living expenses. Okay. Um, we pay someone to come in, uh, just an individual, this is not with an agency or anyway, just a friend. Um, I pay her on a weekly basis to come in and do things like administer medications and meals and like housekeeping and that kind of thing. When I am preparing my mother's taxes, is that in-home care that my mother is paying for out of her own money? Is that tax deductible on her on her taxes? Well, let me couch my answer, Tanya, with a uh, a, a beginning by saying. I am not going to give you tax advice on how to beat the IRS, cheat the IRS, or take an IRS provision, but I will say that I have one client that's in a very similar situation, and in that client's uh, situation, the CPA firm that we are using has told us that when there is the health care not through an agency, it is not going to be deductible as a deduction. Okay. The way that uh, we resolved it, because uh, my clients, uh, they really liked this woman. Uh-huh. Uh, they had the woman route herself through a local home health care agency that then sent her back out again. So that way she was qualified now, whether that would be the advice of your own CPA or not, I don't know. But that was the advice of the accountant with the client that we've had for a number of years. Does that help? Well, I, I think so. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if the IRS considers that a medical expense, or does it fall under it? Did not. Category? It did okay. not until until. In other words, you mean on a Schedule A deduction, right? A medical expense under Schedule A. As a deductible expense, that's what you're asking. And once it came through the agency, yeah, then yes, it was deductible uh, on Schedule okay. A as a deduction, according so just to just paying an individual like I am is not considered right. And we had another situation where another client of ours actually had a relative that was very caring and a and a, and a registered nurse. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, again, uh, the answer in that case was no. The IRS is not going to allow it. At least that was the advice of the CPA. Okay. Do I need to provide this person? Tell me a little bit about your mom. How old is she? She's 83. Your mom's 83, and she's living with y'all? 
No, she's living in her own home. Oh, she's living in her own but, home. So we're, we're bringing in, I'm one of the support people, as well as this gal and her daughter come in to provide uh, support in the home to make it doable for her. To What's her income? Her what is her income? Uh-huh. Oh, let's see. She has uh, Social Security, which is about 2200 a month, and she has about 1200 a month coming in in a pension. Okay, so she has low income, which means that her, her, her Schedule A deduction on her side is going to be very little. The question you want to know is, can you go ahead and take her as a deduction on yours? Well, no, I, I, I hadn't. Well, that, I guess that's, that could be a question. I hadn't considered that. Do you, do you provide more than 50% of her of uh, her support? No, I'm not contributing financially to her at, in any way. Only, only this health care support? Yeah, I, I am, I'm coming in myself to help take care of her. I'm providing manpower, as it were. But if, if, you would I, like, yeah, if you would like to go ahead and gather all of your information and schedule an appointment to meet with me, I'll be happy to go ahead and go over all of it with you in the office. Uh, and get a CPA on the phone with us, and then we can go ahead and really get uh, get a, 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 a the best advice that we can get. Uh, there may be a way that you can achieve it. What are her assets? She owns her own home. Anything else? Uh, not really, no. Well, then the deductibility, what's it going to be deducting against? In other well, words... Her- her income tax, I'm assuming. But I, I you said her income tax is only twenty two hundred of Social Security and a little no, pension and, and a pension, and, right? And she has a pension. She's a state a retired teacher. How much is her pension? About twelve hundred a month. So but, she has a total income of about thirty four hundred a month. Doesn't sound like yeah, I'd have to run some numbers, but it doesn't sound like she's she'd be able to get uh very much if any deduction anyway. Uh huh. Because you've, yeah. you know, you've, 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 on Schedule A, your deduction is limited, you know, <laughs> to a certain percentage of your adjusted gross income. Uh-huh. Do I need to provide this employee with a 1099 form or anything to claim her income? If you're taking, if, if you're taking the expenses a deduction, then yes. If that's an expense that you are deducting, then you need to give a 1099 to the employee uh-huh. so the employee reports her income. Yes. So, but if I'm not going to do anything with it on my mother's taxes, if it's not deductible and I'm not planning on using it as a deduction, do I still need to provide a 1099 form for the um, for the gal? Well, the question is, I mean, she's making money. She's supposed to pay tax on her uh, on her income. So obviously, right. that's a, that that's her responsibility. Right. I. Uh, and I have had people in situations like that that have asked me, uh, "Would you please give me a 1099?" Uh huh. But I think that's as far as I should go right now. I, again, if you jot down my number at the office, 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or you could go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. And if need be, you know, if you need a more immediate answer, you could check with your CPA as well. Okay, well, I appreciate your help tonight. Thank All you right, so thank you. Thank you for calling, Tanya, and have a great week. There's There was an interesting article um, about if heirs are fighting mediation. Did you see that? Yeah, this was an article written by an attorney who explains what's the way to solve issues after someone has died if it's been a lousy job in estate planning. And so he was talking about trying mediation. But the Wall Street Journal writer 
Uh, so it was interesting in the way he asked what kinds of disputes arise these days in family estate cases. And <clears throat> the attorney who uh, was interviewed said it's, it's surprising how many ruptures there are in families where wills aren't clear about who gets what. Many times a will is written with a simple provision that says the tangibles shall be divided equally among my children, period. End of clause. Then all hell breaks loose, he says. Sometimes a child's going to say, well, he's wanted a particular painting or he wanted the the clock when he ever since he was young. And then one of his brothers or sisters is going to say the same thing. And a third one is going to say and they're all fighting over the painting. And so this is very common, according to the attorney that was interviewed. Another question that was uh, asked to him is, well, why don't parents leave more specific instructions? And I thought that was That's a good question. It is. It is. You know, some people don't like paying attention to wills. Many times in our office, like Chip, when he came in to see us, okay, a lot of times they come in and we go through all aspects of financial planning. But when it comes down to let's hone in on your will, your estate plans and everything, because, yes, you're only in your 50s, but you could die one day. <laughs> you will die one day. <laughs> a lot of times they don't think they're going to die. So they, uh, parents very often don't pay a lot of attention to their wills. And then in the wills, there's too much boilerplate. They spend tons of time and money avoiding income and estate taxes, but hardly anyone uh, is putting time into the little nuances of their estate planning. So in many cases, the children have secret wishes that don't come out until after the parent has died. Should you advise the kids to indicate what items they want left out ahead of time? Yes, I think so. Get it all spelled out as best as you can. So do you say to the kids, uh, your children, that you can each pick something and there'll be a monetary adjustment for the goods in value? Well, I think that's a good way to do it. If you if you lay out all these things and, you know, the, the, the non-tangible items as well as the tangible items need to be listed. What about who's going to be the executor on the estate? Let's have a discussion with the kids before, not have it be a point of contention after death. I remember when we used to go visit your mom and dad, and your mom would write down little notes and tape them to the bottom of some of her plates and, and, you know, things that were in the house. And... uh, It was a way to pass on something that one of the grandkids wanted, you know, after grandma's passing. So it it is good to to have instructions. And, you know, although, as you said, Doug, it is a subject that people don't like to talk about, but it has to be. It's part of financial planning. It has to be addressed. And so if you've got questions about estate planning and you know that this is on your checklist, work with a certified financial planner. Call us at Lewis Financial Management in Raleigh. Our number is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. We'll be happy to assist you uh, and you oh. know set up an appointment and if visit our website at DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, another interesting article about workers saving too little to retire. Did you see that? It's almost a daily piece of news that we're seeing in all of the financial journals and the news. And the statistics are coming in more and more rapidly now, Linda. 
Uh, the one article said that 57% of U.S. workers who were surveyed have accumulated less than $25,000 in their total savings and investments excluding their homes. And then it said 28% of Americans have no confidence that they're going to even have enough money to retire comfortably. So while Americans are living longer and the extended lifespans is going to continue, it's going to make it tougher for workers to stretch out their retirements. And these statistics are, uh, they're very uh, striking, they're shocking, they're surprising, and they're frightening. And uh, I have seen a number of them that uh, have come out recently. Now, there was another article, Linda, that I thought was really good, and it was a solution to the problem. And and what is that solution, Doug? That was from Jason Zweig in the Wall Street Journal, who came up with an idea of how to save more for retirement without really trying. Now, I didn't particularly like his idea, but I thought it was cute because his solution was to have... Um, your, the employers, the the bosses of companies, automatically have a default that when they hire on, you're going to go ahead and be enrolled in an automatic 401k savings plan, whether you want to or not. You can uh, you can opt out of it, but the default is that you're going to say that you're going to put in ten percent uh, into. This account. What I thought was interesting was the aspect of default. And that's what I really liked because, you know, I talk about default with our clients all the time. Whenever a new client comes in who is still working, I tell them we need to establish a pay yourself first automatic plan that by default, if you don't do something, it's going to go in to your mutual fund and Put it and go into your checking account and take it right out and put it into your mutual fund that you choose. And the default that I like is life goes on so fast. You're right. If That's you true. forget, it's going to happen and you are accumulating, but you're not locking it away in a retirement plan. And if there's a crisis, you can always call and stop it for a month and go back on. That's right. The default was what I liked about how to help people save more and achieve their goals of financial independence. And, you know, when you start saving, eventually it becomes a habit. Right, Doug? It does. It does. It's very enjoyable watching your money accumulate, realizing that you're just not working for nothing, that you're accumulating nothing. It's it's enjoyable when it becomes a habit. And when you're young, you like to spend money, right? So um, maybe you don't need that new CD or that new pair of shoes. And then, you know, of course, when you're newlyweds and honeymooners, then you want to buy gifts for your beloved. But then you get to the point where you realize, wait a minute, we've got too many toys here. We've got all kinds of uh, equipment and uh, we're not even using most of the stuff. So then you have to put the brakes on all the spending and say, what are we doing? What are our needs what are we doing? We need financial planning in our world. And uh, it, it is so nice, isn't it, Doug, to see people of all ages doing a pay-yourself-first plan. What was it somebody once said that um, dollar cost averaging and the eighth wonder of the world? 
The oh, that's uh, <laughs> it's Einstein. Wasn't <laughs> Einstein? It was dollar cost averaging, though. It was. I the mean, laws no, of the laws interest. of compound Long, interest. Sorry, right, but you're exactly right. In dollar cost averaging, you walk into the laws of compound, compound interest. Compound interest. Yeah. You know, right. Linda, we have had the joy, as you've mentioned, many a time, watching ones become millionaires, middle class millionaires. And I want to make sure now that we have got a supply in our office, we are going to give a free copy of a wonderful book called. The Middle Class Millionaire to every client that schedules an appointment to meet with us. The Middle Class Millionaire is a really good book, and uh, we're giving it away free. We're giving it away free to every client that schedules an appointment to meet with us. I think it will be an encouragement because it's been the testimony of so many that we've worked with over these last decades. And call us at Lewis Financial Management. Our number is in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. And uh, call us, and we can, you know, leave us your name and your number, and we'll be happy to call you back and see what we can do to assist you with uh, financial planning in your world. Well, Doug, Linda, what's new in the world of investments in regard to markets and market timing? Well, of course, everybody's talking about timing. You know, what's going to happen? There's an article in today's Wall Street Journal. Well, you know, how do we feel? Uh, Is it a positive emotional ride for the rest of the year for the stock market? Uh, Things look good and so forth. Most people feel it is. but, But the real question is, what should you focus on? And my own feeling is that you should focus on time in the market, not market timing. Yeah, market timers often try to predict big wins in the investment markets only to be disappointed by the reality of unexpected turns in performance. However, for those who do not wish to subject their money to such a potentially risky strategy, it's time, not timing, that could be the best alternative. So what is market time? Yeah, what exactly is it? You know, it's a confusing topic. A lot of people couldn't tell you exactly what it is. But basically, market timing is an investment strategy in which the investor tries to identify the best times to be in the market and the best times to get out of the market. Now, pure timing requires the investor to determine when to move 100% in or 100% out of one of the three asset classes, stocks, bonds, and money market. And, of course, therein lies the big question. And for many people, it's not even when to get out. It's when to get back in. Right, right. Because one of the biggest risks of the strategy is potentially missing the market's best-performing cycles. And that means that an investor believing that the market could go down moves his investment dollars out of the market and places them in more conservative investments with the idea, I think I'll just wait. Yeah, so while the money is out of stocks, the market instead enjoys its best performing months. The investor has therefore incorrectly timed the market and missed those top months. The best move for most individual investors, especially those striving for long-term goals, it might be to purchase shares Hold on to them throughout the market cycles. And this is commonly known as buy and hold investment strategies. Yeah, the buy and hold investment strategy, if uh, if utilized correctly, and we do say at Lewis Financial Management that we do it correctly, uh, gives individual investors the best possible way to achieve your goals 
And we say you should leave timing to the experts. Focus instead on your own personal financial goals. So true, because if you're not a professional money manager, your best bet is probably to just leave that part of the management to the professionals. Yeah. Through a buy and hold strategy, then what you do is take advantage of the power of compounding or the ability of your invested money to make money. Compounding can also lower risk over time. And then as your investment grows, the chance of losing the original principle that you invested declines. So if you've got the time to run to ride it through, you're usually better off leaving timing out of your equation. Now, normally a young investor is going to probably begin investing for longer term goals like uh, marriage, buying a house, even retirement. The majority of his portfolio is likely going to be in stocks and stock funds, mutual funds. And that's just the way it normally is when we when we look at it, when they come to see us because they just realize the best potential for growth over time is that, even though they've also experienced the widest term fluctuations. And then as the investor ages and gets closer to each goal, he or she's going to want to rebalance the portfolio as their financial needs warrant. Yeah, this this hypothetical, you know, young investor represents a lot of people that we know and that we've seen. Um, and those types of people know that uh, how much time that's available is the most important role when it comes to determining uh, your own ability to achieve financial independence, because time is your ally. Clearly, time can be a better ally than timing. Yeah, the best approach to your portfolio is to arm yourself with all the necessary information Then take your questions to Lewis Financial Management to help with the final decision-making. And above all, remember that both your long- and short-term investment decisions should be based on your financial needs and your ability to accept the risks that go along with each investment. And then we can help you determine which investments are right for you. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Well, Doug, Linda, you know, our relationship with our clients is important to us, and we see and read a lot on how to make the most of an advisor relationship. So I thought I would open it up to what are some things that you think about in regard to advising people about uh, starting a relationship with a financial planner? There have been a couple of articles recently that have honed in on this, Deborah. Uh, you know, sometimes clients just reach the stage in their life of saying, all right, it's time for professional help. And then uh, they go forward and they find a, a, a financial advisor. And then what happens is they say, no, that doesn't really fit with the plan. And I think we ought to go ahead and change to another advisor. So the problem here is that more than a third of households in the U.S. regularly do use some type of financial advisor to assess an overall financial situation and set up an investment strategy. But uh, there's dissatisfaction that's happening. And, and so when, when some of these millions of investors become dissatisfied, then the studies are showing what happens and what they're showing is that dissatisfaction tends to increase in times of financial downturn downturns or developments such as uh, recent volatility in the markets 
and 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 that's a problem because that's always going to be there. It among, certainly is. Yeah, <clears throat> among the biggest concerns amongst investors are personal rapport, communication, along with investment returns. It's sort of like developing a friendship. Yeah, you may have gotten your wires crossed, but if there's trust, you can always figure out how to get back on the same wavelength. Yeah, and so this whole matter of jumping from one advisor to another advisor is starting to surface in a lot of the reports about how people really are losing money. It's unfair to really fire an advisor based on returns over less than three years. You know, that's just because you've got cycles along the way. But I, I, I like to focus on the matter of the relationships. You know, <clears throat> we're very proud of the fact that our relationships with our clients last a long time. They I, certainly do. And there are various stages um, as, you know, whether you're uh, a young professional, you and your spouse, you buy that first house and then you have the first child and then you have two and three children <laughs> And then you get a promotion and maybe you move and then you move back. But and then others inherit. And then there are those that maybe one of the spouses has a terminal illness. And they stay with us. The clients, we've recently done some analysis to find out how many clients do we have that have been with us for one year, for three years, for five years, for 15 years, 20 years, 25. And uh, I think we have now one Uh, Maybe we have more than one. I think we have one at least who's been with us for 30 years. And the turnover rate of our clients is very, very low. And that's important because we're very proud of the fact that true financial planning is a relationship. It's very much based on the relationship. And the relationship has to uh, be more than just your money. It's got to be an assurance that your financial planner is really caring about your entire, as Linda said, your children, your grandchildren, the divorce of one of your children, the various the crisis that's mm-hmm. happened in the life that true financial planning, true advisory work is much more than just that. And when it's there, then don't think about just jumping from one advisor to another. Well, I think that being there prohibits most people from moving in that direction. Yeah. You know, I think it's I think it's the best relationships that are deeply personal and anything that, you know, could break that it 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 shows up but but infrequently and when you have those long-term relationships the financial planner is often the first person that in our experience that it gets the call when something terrible happens yes you indeed. Know, or something great i got an award or whatever but we become very much a part of our clients lives and it uh, you know to all of our listeners thank you for listening uh to money matters for all these years you are our you know thank you you're our fans, <laughs> and we really appreciate and our clients the time. And it's been such an honor to assist so many wonderful, wonderful people in the Carolinas and abroad. Uh, in in you know we have clients that are out of state, but it has just been such a joy to share uh, wonderful moments and to share in all the excitement of the changes and. Um, the stages of financial planning in your world, whether it's been, uh, you know, a large promotion or. Um, That's right. Along uh, the way, whatever it's been. Whatever been it's there. been, the ups and downs. Yeah. True financial planning 
covers all those stages. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. All right, Billy, this is your time. Doug Lewis here. How can I help you? Hi, Doug. Hi. Can you avoid the 10% penalty on IRA if you're not 59 and a half and get early retirement? Yes. Tell me a little bit about yourself, Billy, and I'll see if I can walk you through the process and whether it's right for you. How old are you? 55. All right, you're 55. That's pretty good because if you were 45, it would make a big difference. And uh, let me see. You're taking early retirement. What's your income, Billy? Uh, well, right now, you're, with early retirement, you're not going to have an income, right? That's right. All right. Are you married or single? Single. You're single? Okay. So the question is going to be how you're going to survive. What do you have in the way of your non-investment assets? No problem. You have some money accumulated? Uh-huh. So why do you want to take money out of an IRA when, and if, if you can live off of the income from your present investments? Because it's in stock. Well, that's a different question, and you can solve that one without doing the other one. You're confused. Yeah, I was yeah, wondering you're, you're, how much are we talking about? She's confusing two different issues. How much is in the IRA total? Thirty-five thousand. Okay. Now, what do you have in your personal portfolio? How much is that worth? Three hundred thousand. Okay. All right. So you've got three hundred thousand in your personal portfolio. Now, as far as your living, uh, you're going to be living off of the income from your investment portfolio, right? Okay, so from your personal portfolio, you should be able to get somewhere around twenty to twenty-five thousand a year income. Mm-hmm. So the question then comes: If you take early retirement and you've got this uh, money from retirement, you can roll this over to an IRA rollover account, or you can sell. Now, you say these stocks. Was this a 401k plan? Mm-hmm. Okay. What you want to do, you want to set up an IRA rollover account. Oh, wait a minute. The money we're talking about is at a brokerage firm. It's not with my company. I do have one with my company. All right. So what's how much is the one that your company worth? That's the one you've got to make a decision on. About 40 All right. So here's what you want to do. First of all, you can sell all of the stocks inside the IRA and pay no tax. There's no capital gain tax when you sell them inside that IRA account. Okay. Okay? So you've got your gain. You say you've already made gain. You want to sell it. You can do that. No problem. There's no tax because it's already in an IRA account, right? Uh-huh. All right. Number two, the 40000 that's at your 401k plan, you have to go ahead and do something with that. Now, that money can be rolled over to an IRA with no tax. Uh-huh. And then once it's over there, then you can invest it the way that you want. So in your case, there's no reason to be asking the question, why take money out without the 10% penalty? I mean, I could show you a way to take it out, yes. But when you take it out, you still pay income tax on it. In other words, when money comes out of an IRA, if you're under 59 and a half, you pay a federal income tax. If you take out $20,000, then you're going to pay tax just like it was earnings of $20,000 of income. Then you pay a North Carolina tax, and then you pay a 10% penalty tax on top of those two. Now, there's a way to beat that 10% penalty tax, but the only reason you would take it out at all would be if you needed to live on. And it doesn't sound to me like you needed to live on, do you? No, but I want to put it in a CD so it would be safe. 
Well, there's another way to do that. You could do it in IRA rollover and put it in a CD. Mm-hmm. You've got other choices that where you can be safe without having to take it out of the IRA and lose about between a third and a half of it for taxes. Now, there is a way to get away from the 10% penalty tax, but there's no way to get away from the income tax. You probably need to meet with a certified financial planner to go ahead and answer not only this these two questions, but also to design the whole thing for you so that you're comfortable and you get what you, you know, that you, you, you're set up the way that, that you understand and that you're comfortable and that works right for you. Right. You want to be in the right vehicles so that everything's growing the way, you know, and, and in line with what goals and objectives and needs that you have. So if, you, if you'd like to call the office, Billy, I'll be happy to send you some information. And that number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. Okay? Thank you. All right. Take care. Thanks for calling. All right, Doug. Um, well, we have some other interesting um, topics in the media. And uh, there was that article, Say Goodbye to the 4% Rule. What was that about? Some people know a lot about the 4% Rule, and other people don't know anything about it. But the 4% Rule is something that's used in retirement planning by a lot of individuals and financial advisors and so forth. But the the story is wrong. And I just hate to say that. But the story goes that if you go ahead and just take out 4% of whatever you've accumulated, it's going to last for your lifetime. Well, that's a nonsense type of, of conclusion because that's designed to say, all right, you're going to live 29 more years by taking out 4% of this amount of money you've accumulated every year, it will last and you'll take out your last dollar that last year that you live. Well, suppose you live a year too long. <laughs> Doesn't sound real good, does it? No. And do you know any client that's going to be happy watching that hunk of money go down and down and down and down and down every no. year? And being told, but don't worry, it's going to last until you die. So the the conventional wisdom no longer holds true. And so the article was focusing on how to uh, use other alternatives. Most of the alternatives I didn't like. One of them was buy annuities. Well, I think that's 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 going from the frying pan to the fire. Because annuities, in my opinion, sometimes are one of the biggest ripoffs being promoted in the investment world by the insurance world. I don't like that. Well, the uh, lack of liquidity. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Once you're in it, you're in it. And you've just basically traded your chickens for eggs and you've got a pension. But that's not what you were looking for. You also have disinherited your kids. Doug, you get so excited about this stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Okay, but there, but I, what I liked about the article was that don't fall prey to the 4% rule. There are other ways to achieve your goals. Now, what my goals are for my clients are very simply, are very simple. You should be able to support your desired lifestyle with your investment portfolio at the time you start retiring, and that should support you so that at your death, that same amount or more is left to your children, and you've been able to enjoy the income Along or the, the cash way. flow from it. If that's if if that's the ability, if that's the goal, then the ability to achieve that goal it should really be right in front of you, not trying to figure out how to deplete it. 
However, thank you. Yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say thank you to you, Doug. Okay. I was going to say thank you to our listeners. All right. <laughs> thank you to, for joining us tonight on Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Have you seen the Lewis Financial Management website? It's easy to get to DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Doug, you know, as I was riding around doing some errands, uh, we've been hearing people say on the radio, on some of the shows, that remember, we can look at uh, all of your information and give you guaranteed income for life. What does that mean? Well, guaranteed income for life is... This is an advertisement for an annuity. Annuities are insurance companies that will guarantee you get income for life. The, uh, the issue here is that you will get this check for life, just like your Social Security Social check. Social Security is for life. That's right. Mm-hmm. What you have to give up, however, is you will disinherit your children and your wife. Now, you can get a smaller guaranteed income for life if you want to go ahead and have some of that income continue to your wife after you die. But the whole guaranteed income for life is, it's a sales, I like to call it a sales pitch because they don't tell you on these radio shows that that's what they are. They don't tell you when they invite you to these seminars that that's what they are. Uh, unless you read in the very, very fine print. These are annuity sales pitches. And uh, the administrators are looking very seriously at these. Now, we need to be careful when we understand what is and what's not correct. In this issue of guaranteed income for life or annuities, we're confusing investment planning with cash flow planning. There's absolutely nothing wrong with an annuity if that's what the client wants and needs, but we don't want to confuse cash flow planning and investment planning. Once you have gotten an annuity, you no longer have an investment. That's right. You have cash flow. You have cash flow. That's it. That's right. Kind of like your Social Security. That's right. Once you annuitize and pull that trigger and say, I want that check, I want that guaranteed income for life, from then on... The insurance company, they keep the the principal. And, you know, Linda, to answer your question a little bit more, by the way, they're, they're not the only people that are doing that. Have you seen the one on television that says, my name is so-and-so? Are you ready for the next stock market crash? How about gold in your IRA? William Devane. All right, well, okay. <laughs> Wherever yeah. his name is. Wonderful. When you're retiring, take that gold bar or those bullions and go down to your local Walmart and try and see if you can buy some groceries with that gold bar. You know, these are all sales pitches of products, and they have nothing to do with uh, financial planning. Financial planning is a, uh, it's it's a multidisciplined profession that those of us who are trained in this area know how to plan cash flow planning, how to plan investment planning, tax planning, insurance planning, and all of it in planning. conjunction with the other. 
You, Very good, you, Deborah. You, you want cash flow planning. Yes. And you want investment planning. That's right. It's never uh, uh, one situation where that's all you're going to be looking at or trying to solve. You're trying to solve both pieces. And if you happen to be listening and you, you know, you have concerns about whether you're going to purchase an annuity or if it's being recommended, get a full disclosure, find out and call us on Lewis uh, at Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. Well, what's new in the world of retirement planning? Well, you know, many people face retirement as a reaction suddenly they're retiring, either voluntarily or involuntarily. They got laid off and they're suddenly going to be retiring. But really at Lewis Financial, I'd like to bring to the public's attention, there are eight steps that we take when our clients are five years from retirement. And you should be thinking the same way if you happen to be five years from retirement. That's right, because the closer you get to retirement, the more critical it is that you do all you can to secure your financial future. If you're only five years from retirement and haven't made significant progress towards your planning and savings goals, it might be too late to fund the retirement of your dreams. You might have to work a few years longer than you planned or have a part-time job in retirement, but you can still improve your prospects by starting to plan today. Yeah, and even if you have been diligent about retirement planning and savings, now is a very good time to take a closer look at your current financial situation And take the action, take the key steps towards your retirement plans. And Doug, Linda, here are the eight steps that we use at Lewis Financial Management to address clients' concerns when they are five years from retirement. Yeah, I think that many people are shocked when they come to see us that the first thing we focus on is not their investment portfolio, not their asset allocation. The very first thing we start with is what, Linda? that uh, it's important to separate your retirement needs from your retirement wants. That's exactly right. That's the that's where we begin financial planning. And I think that separates us from most of the ones who out there are calling themselves financial planners, but who are actually money managers. We focus on your needs. And then we break your needs down to the ones that are your true needs and the ones that you are... We call them your fantasy lifestyle, how many trips you'd like to take and so forth, because needs include essential living expenses like food and housing costs, taxes, insurance premiums. But wants are those discretionary, wonderful things that you're looking towards entertainment, travel and so on. So that's the first thing that we do at Lewis Financial Management. That's right. And the second thing, revisit your retirement income options. Here you really need to know what you're going to be able to receive. After reviewing your projected expenses, determine where your retirement income will come from. This could include Social Security benefit payments, required minimum distributions from your retirement accounts, pension payments, and any other regular income you expect to receive. If there's a gap, create a five-year plan to cover it, perhaps with your investment portfolio, part-time income, 
or any other source of income. Yeah, but that, I don't yeah, I don't want the public to think that we make you do that. That's what we do. We revisit your income options and we help you build that five year plan to cover what's going to be missing. So the first thing we do at Lewis Financial is we look at your needs. And the second thing is we revisit your retirement income options, the money coming in. And the third thing we do, Linda is consider what tax savings moves uh, that you need to make for your retirement accounts. Basically, that involves estimating your tax bill while you're in retirement, and when you begin withdrawing your retirement savings, calculating you know, how much you'll be taxed on your distributions. That's right, Linda. So we've got three things that we do. We begin with your needs. Then we go to your income options. Then we go to tax savings moves. And then the fourth thing we do is we double check your Social Security earnings. That's going to be crucial to explore your Social Security claiming options. You know, waiting to claim once you're eligible is going to increase your benefit amount, but it's not the best strategy in all cases. Don't wait. And we don't let you wait. If you're working with us as your financial planning firm, then we double check your Social Security earnings. That's right. And then the next thing that we'll help you do is understand your employee benefits. We'll help you with the right questions to ask your HR department in regard to your current health insurance and how it will interact with Medicare. You need to get information about pension and defined contribution options. So we'll remind you of what pertains to you. And then all other retiree benefits, because this is all about planning, how to plan for retirement in five years. And the sixth thing we're definitely going to do is we're going to look at your asset allocation We're going to look at your investments to see how they are allocated. Are they in a proper pattern? And if not, we're going to make recommendations about where they should be. And the seventh thing we're going to do is we're going to understand what's going to happen with all of your investments in your financial assets as they come together, because we're going to design a plan for you, a financial plan in order. And of course, what is the eighth and most, well, maybe not the most important, but certainly the eighth thing we do, Linda... We update or we assist you in the design of your estate documents, making sure that you've named executors and proxies that are still correct and understanding whether or not your estate plan is current and what your needs are with regard to estate plans. Some folks, many folks that we meet with either haven't had a will drawn up or maybe they've gone through a divorce or they've lost a spouse and they need to update what are their estate plans and who are their beneficiaries. So there you have it. Those are the eight things that we do at Lewis Financial Management when you are five years from retirement. And we'd love to help you as you're moving into this next stage. Give us a call tonight and we will see if we can be of some assistance to you. For a consultation with Doug or Deborah Lewis, call Lewis Financial Management at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000. It's always important to review your estate plan. A lot of people don't review their estate plan. So true. Too many people assume that estate planning is a one-shot deal. That once it's done, it needs it doesn't need to be revisited. And that's so untrue because changes in tax laws, family and financial circumstances may cost hundreds of thousands of dollars in unnecessary taxes or distort the plan to distribution of assets if the estate plan is not reviewed periodically. 
Individuals should review their current estate plan now to see if changes should be made. Yeah, because things change. Things are changing. There are changes in the lives of your beneficiaries or maybe the lives of your fiduciaries. Significant changes in your own in your own life are going to require changes in your estate plan. And so will changes in the lives of your beneficiaries or your fiduciaries. Yes, if your children were minors when you initially set up your plan, then as they get older, you should assess whether they're ready to be named as your fiduciary or your representative. If a beneficiary or representative moves away or you simply lose touch with them, then you should reevaluate your plan to ensure that your property is still going where you want it to go and that you've named the right representative. In addition, if a child's situation has changed... They might need protection of their inheritance because it might be subject to claims of creditors or other predators. Yeah, and what I've seen this past year is suppose your daughter's marriage is troubled and she's contemplating a divorce and your will still talks about her as a child. Well, an update to your trust could protect that child's inheritance. So that's the first thing to realize. Changes in lives of beneficiaries have to be That's right. Uh, and you know what's funny on. is that financial planning definitely digs into all these areas. So as we deal with a lot of the retirement issues, the how I'm going to afford things, my needs, my wants, but a lot of that, the other side of that coin is, well, if I were to die and leave this stuff for my children, I need to really know their situations. And if I need to protect them, protect this inheritance for them, I need to think about those estate documents. So this is very important. Another issue is that uh, birth or death of a beneficiary. Uh, If a beneficiary is named in your estate plan, uh, has died, then you should update your plan to remove the deceased person's name. And if you don't, then years from now, whoever your personal representative is or your successor trustee they're going to have to track down an original death certificate for the deceased person. And then this also can become time consuming and costly. And if you have recently been widowed, if your spouse has died, then your plan may need to take on a whole new structure. If you or beneficiary has adopted a child or if you've recently had a child, you should review your estate plan to ensure that your new child is or perhaps isn't included. All right. So these are things to look at with regard to your estate plan, things that can change. Another thing that can change is your own financial status. For instance, if you've recently received an inheritance, then you're going to need to reevaluate if your estate is taxable at both the state and federal levels. And if it is, then explore all of the options for minimizing these death taxes, they're called estate taxes. You should also transfer your inheritance into your revocable living trust so that these assets won't need to be probated. So these are the kinds of changes, changes in the lives of beneficiaries, changes uh, in the death of a beneficiary, changes in your own financial status. That's right. There are a few more. Changes in marital status uh, will require significant changes to your estate plan also. If you've recently married, then a whole new set of gift and estate tax planning opportunities have become available to you and your new spouse. 
or if you've recently divorced, then your estate plan should be updated to ensure that your former spouse is removed as a beneficiary. You'll also need to update the beneficiary designations for your life insurance and retirement plans, including your IRAs and 401ks, to ensure that your spouse is removed there as well. Yeah, we've seen that happen this past year in at least two cases that I can remember. That's right. And, of course, there's the whole issue about what about beneficiaries who have special needs. Uh, Let's say you have a loved one with special needs and you don't plan your estate carefully. Your loved one could lose valuable public benefits and assets. And so what we look at in in planning for your estate at Lewis Financial Management, we also look at whether you need a special needs trust. The biggest thing I think, Doug, Linda, are the possible law changes. Laws governing taxes, probate, trusts, powers of attorney, and fiduciaries change all the time. And they're up for changes every year. So reviewing your plan at least once a year is the best way to either take advantage of any new changes that could benefit you or revise your plan so that these changes do not adversely impact your estate. So keep your estate plan current and up to date. And if you don't, then your plans could become distorted and benefits might be lost. So that's a very urgent uh, plea that if you need to give us a call during the week, our number is 919-872-7000. We are the Lewis family. Yeah. And somewhat experts in helping people plan for their um, estate planning. Go ahead, Jerry. How can I help you? Doug Lewis. Yes. Thank you. Uh, uh, my daughter, uh, Bless me with my uh, first grandchild six months ago. Mazel tov. Thank you. <laughs> That's congratulations. Yes. Um, and uh, consequently, I'm uh, thinking of uh, of my will, uh-huh. with regard to a will. And uh, I was wondering, uh, are lawyers sufficiently uh, conversant with the matters that uh, you engage in to uh, be trusted? Or should I see a financial planner first? That's a very good question. I'm glad that somebody finally asked that. No, they are not. We are not what they call a board certified state. Some states, they're board certified where they have to declare what they're specialist in. But no, attorneys are not versed in these. Some are and some aren't. You should be working with a certified financial planner who can work in tandem with the attorney, even help find the attorney so he can set up the strategy and the attorney can do the legal work. That's a very good question, Jerry. Uh, general reference to assets, property, and such in a will is not sufficient from, in your opinion. General reference? You mean for an attorney to know? Uh, well, merely to refer in, in the uh, matter of disposing of one's estate. Uh, you want to go through the numbers. I see. In other words, it's got to be numerically worked out, and that's where the attorney generally is not going to, he's not going to have that or whatever. Jerry, if you will call me at my office, I'd love to talk this more with you because this is a very touchy matter and I, and it's one that's very dear to my heart because people get messed up real bad in this area. My number is 872-7000. You're right. Uh, gifting strategies and working with a proper attorney are crucial. Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Jerry. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Thank you for listening. You know, Lynn, I was thinking Jerry's question about an attorney brings you to the question of what is the attorney's job? And if you think about it, the attorney's job is transaction-oriented. He creates documents. Hopefully, they're very good documents. They're signed, he gets paid, and that's the end of the relationship until maybe the person who created the will dies. But the financial planner, at least the way we practice financial planning, doesn't be, it is not transaction-oriented. 
In other words, we need to be involved in the design of the estate documents so that the attorney can create the estate documents. And then after the estate documents are done, we're still going to be with that client. As you know, in our office, we send reports to clients on their investments, on their taxes, on their estates. estates. We send them out on a monthly basis. So we are with the clients for the rest of their life. Uh, And so... Having the attorney that works with the financial planner, I think, is the most crucial thing. It's a team approach, but the attorney is just for that transaction. So I'm glad I got that in. All right, I hear the music coming now. Everybody have a great week. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug and Linda in Raleigh at 872-7000. That's USA 7000. Listen again next Sunday at 605 for Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on 680 WPTF.